0: This is a 980 CKNW podcast.
1: You are live with The App Show. Mike Agarbo here today. We've uh, got our good friend, Gray Williams, co-hosting with me. Thanks for coming in.
2: Always glad to be here.
1: The App Show. We are the number one app and mobile tech radio show in Canada. We have a great program for you today. Uh, Later on, we'll be talking about a few different things. Netflix. I think everyone uses Netflix now. Well, they're looking at trying to charge people for sharing usernames and passwords. So for example, you might've got a Netflix account and you're sharing it with your friends and maybe family members that don't live in the same household. Well, that's not how Netflix is supposed to work. They want you just to pay for who's in the household using it. Right. So they are looking at uh, finding ways to charge for people outside the house using your same account. Now here's the thing, I'd be okay with that if it's only a small charge. Well, we're gonna tell you what that is. They're testing out in a few countries. We'll also be uh, chatting about uh, some new features from Apple, universal control. Mm -hmm. If you're in the Apple universe and you've got a few different devices, now you can control them all together with just one keyboard and mouse. It's kinda cool. This feels like the future. And we'll be talking about Russia and the hacker group Anonymous going after the Russian government. What's happening there? It's, it's some pretty interesting stuff. But uh, great. Let's uh, get into some of the uh, the mobile and tech news that uh, is happening this past week. Uh, this is interesting. Google is uh, going to be providing uh, an app on Google Android devices uh, for Ukrainians uh, that will give them warnings when air raid sirens are going off.
2: This is a it's a great app, but it feels so incredibly dystopian. Like It kind of does, doesn't it? The COVID alert was the first one that was like, okay, this is the dark future that I didn't want to live in. And now yeah. we have the air raid alert. We are in the bad timeline. Huh. So this is built off of their earthquake
1: warning system that they already have. Uh, and essentially, I guess they're working with the Ukrainian government on this. So again, when there is an attack and typically they have the air raid siren, which I think they'll still be doing, this will send out an alert to Google Android users as well. Yeah. So no word on iPhone yet, but I imagine... Apple's probably not far behind. I imagine so. Again, we're covering some of the uh, tech and mobile news today on the uh, App Show as we do every uh, beginning of uh, the show. This is interesting, uh, keeping on the Ukrainian uh, theme. Duolingo. Uh, It's uh, a learning app where you can learn different languages. Uh, They report almost a 500% increase in people studying
2: Ukrainian. Yeah.
1: Kind of kind of cool? Uh,
2: you know, I've, I've got Duolingo at home. I think we're going to download it and give it a shot.
1: Yeah? Yeah. You're going to be Ukrainian?
2: You know what? It's just being able to support folks because we're obviously we know that we're going to see a lot of folks from Ukraine coming over as uh, refugees and as immigrants. So being able to make these folks feel like they're at home, uh, being able to speak to them in their own language, that seems to me like the right thing to do. So I'm going to give this a shot.
1: Duolingo is also going to be donating all of the ad revenue from people studying Ukrainian on uh, Duolingo to Ukraine Relief. Uh, you use Duolingo. What languages have you tried out on it? Uh, I've or tried a little a bit of Spanish
2: yeah. uh, for my last vacation when I went down to Mexico. And, and how is it? Like, it, It's good. Yeah. Now, the interesting thing is if you fall off the wagon with them, yes. um, they've got a small owl, Lingo, is their little guy, and he will guilt you. Really? Yeah. So there's like, the, hey, have you tried, you know, this language today? It's time to try this language today. And eventually gets to the point where it sends you a notification that says, uh, it looks like these notifications aren't helping you. I'll turn them off until you want to turn them back on, which is the most passive aggressive push notification I've ever received in my life.
1: Yeah. So. Should be more aggressive, right? Right. I'm going to erase your hard drive if you don't learn how to say, <laughs> where's the bathroom today?
2: Those pictures from your favorite birthday, gone, unless gone. you figure this out.
1: <laughs> uh, so Vimeo. This is kind of interesting. Uh, So I think most people are probably familiar with YouTube, but Vimeo is another video sharing and broadcasting platform. I think we use it for our company. We do. For our client video links and and things like that. So they're basically telling creators now uh, to suddenly pay thousands of dollars or leave the platform. Yes.
2: So this is a move in pro wrestling. This is known as the heel turn, right, where you have somebody who was a good guy and turns into a bad guy. Vimeo, this is a huge (laughs) heel turn for them. I've used Vimeo for years, and I found that it's a great platform. It feels like the classier YouTube. Yes. Right. You know, it's not not as many ads. There's no really crazy going down the rabbit hole, weird conspiracy things. It was for good quality video from creators who were making things that were just a little bit better than YouTube. It was kind of bougie, and so they've come out and said, "Oh, we're not for creators. We never have been. We're a business to business platform for sharing videos, kind of like what we do with the company." Yeah. But. You know, people out there have been putting on high-quality video. They've been getting tons of traffic, which costs Vimeo a fair amount of money. I can imagine so, yeah. We get that. But, you know, to come out after this and say, you've got 30 days to figure this out, this is, like, I haven't gone from loving a company to hitting a company so quickly in a very, very long time. I wonder what that means
1: for us. I haven't looked into that yet. But uh, there's a great article on uh, TheVerge.com, and uh, they talked to one creator. Uh, she was paying, apparently, 200 bucks a year. Mm -hmm. Uh, to broadcast her videos but uh, because she was up in the top 1% of I guess views yes uh, obviously that takes up bandwidth Uh, her $200 a year has gone up to $3,500 a year
2: which to me is is so bizarre because to be honest like you and I are about to review whether or not Vimeo actually serves our needs, because if there's a possibility that we might end up with a $3,000 a month bill... Oh, know, there's
1: some that are like $7,000 their, their bill. I mean, it's it's up there.
2: Why, like, why would you stick with this company when you could pull the plug right away? Because at some point you may get... A, I, I, would, I would just want to find the right service right now. Doesn't so, seem stable, right? N- yeah, this yeah. seems like such a bad move. Like, somebody really misread the room. Just, bad call, Vimeo. Heel turn. <laughs> <boom>. <laughs> um. So... We're talking
1: antivirus software now here. Uh, Kaspersky yes. is a popular antivirus security software that people use. Germany is warning against using it now. Yeah. Because it's from Russia.
2: Yes. And I mean, it's always been from Russia. But yeah. And here's the thing. Kaspersky rose to power, especially here in Canada, because of Best Buy and Future Shop. They had a really great deal with the merchants there that it was being included with systems for free. And at the time... Norton Antivirus and McAfee both were these really bloated pieces of software that were constantly trying to get you buy new subscriptions and buy new features. So Kaspersky popped up, and it was this lightweight antivirus. And the folks over at Kaspersky Labs do really good research on finding malware and viruses. Yeah. The problem is, like any other country, any other company in Russia, you get too popular, and all of a sudden, the FSB, the, the sequel to the KGB, comes knocking. It's a little like what we were worried about with TikTok and the Chinese government.
1: Well, it looks like Donald Trump actually banned it from US government use back in 2017. The UK government's looking at as well because they say that um,
2: it could be used for spying. It could, yeah. Because basically when you're looking, like this software looks for essentially a fingerprint of what malware looks like. yeah, And so it has a library of these things. Now, if the Russian government wanted to have malware out there in the world and they were able to lean on Kaspersky, they basically say, take this fingerprint out of your database. yeah. So that's what we're worried about. And to be honest, Like, for anyone in the security industry, uh, it's kind of been known for a while that this is probably happening. So, if you're running Kaspersky right now, you may want to take a look and avail yourself of other options. It's a crazy world we're living in right now, eh? Yeah.
1: I mean, this is. Now we're paranoid about china and russia and this essentially like this is you gotta watch out for the swiss
2: the swiss they're just yeah (laughs) you have no idea what's actually in that
1: chocolate i'm kidding i'm kidding swiss swiss (laughs) folks um yeah it's uh it's it's hard right because you know it's it's become we've become so global
2: and now we're just going back to paranoia again well it's almost it's rightfully or wrongfully you know it's an evolution of the cold war Right. Like this is an arms race for sure. And but the interesting thing is now, in addition to nation states, we also have companies that are operating on pretty much the same level. So, you know, as as the little folks out there, you know, retail investors and ordinary people, we've got not just our own governments, foreign governments and then these multinationals to worry about. Yeah, it's a concerning time. So, you know, finding things where. If there is something like Kaspersky that may be a risk, you can probably help yourself by not taking part in using that software.
1: We have a lot more to talk about on the app show today. Uh, We will be covering the ongoing conflict with Ukraine and Russia. Russia has invaded Ukraine. Uh, A lot of cyber warfare happening as well to the combat. Mm -hmm. And typically Russia, I think, has been pretty good with that, haven't they? In the past? Yes. Yes. So. Coming up in our next segment, we're going to talk about how that's going against them now. It is. The anonymous hacker group waging war on Russia. Well, we'll give you the lowdown on what they're doing and what it all means. You're listening to The App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. We'll be back after this. You're back with The App Show. Mike and Gray here. We're going to talk about hacking, cyber warfare in the conflict in Ukraine right now. Russia, well known for their cyber warfare activities and and hacking. Uh, They've been blamed for the whole uh, election interference in the US and they've been I guess attacking in a cyber way Ukraine for a number of years now but it looks like that's being kind of turned on them now as
2: well. Yeah. I mean, famously, Russia actually did interfere with the election in Ukraine, but they weren't successful. And the weird thing about this is that they had looked to install a pro-Russia candidate yeah. who actually received less than 1% of the vote. And Russian news agencies actually ran with the story as if they had succeeded. They didn't realize they'd failed. So this laid bare for everyone the amount of election interference that they were capable of. Yeah. And it's it's a little bit like the myth of the the 10-foot-tall Russian back in the 80s during the Cold War, where You know, there were sort of legends about, uh, you know, Russian, the IRA, the Internet Research Agency, not the Irish Republican Army. But these guys were the ones that were doing the work. Anonymous has been sort of the shadowy, dark counterpart to, uh, you know, foreign entities like this, where it's not an organization at all.
1: Like this is—it's you know, a group of anonymous hackers.
2: And when we say group, they may not even be affiliated with each other. It is an identity that you take on. You know, it's a little like I am Spartacus or I am the Batman in cities across the, across the world. Yeah, folks, basically look at this. And under this guise of anonymity, which basically you know makes them all look kind of uniform, which makes you harder to find, um, they've gone on to attack. You know, so key people and, and key places and key things around the world uh, when they when they perceive that there is injustice. Now, because there's no organization behind this, there's it's hard to track them down and when there's some things that anonymous may do that you agree with. And there may be some things that you don't, because, again, there is no actual uniformity here. No.
1: It's not like they're meeting at Boston Pizza every Thursday <laughs> night to plan their attacks. Right. Don't tell them about that. OK, sorry. Sorry. Uh, So, but they've been going after Russia with uh, denial of service attacks against major websites like the media, websites, defacing websites. I think they renamed Putin's yacht. I don't know if you saw that. I did not. On the maritime tracking system. Um, I'm just going to spell it out. Uh, (laughs) F-C-K-P-T-N. You can guess what that stands for. Uh, But it's really amazing really how connected everything is. Do you you know what I mean? Yeah. That they can go in and do this. But, you
2: know, I I wonder, Gray, is it really making a difference? So in some cases it can, and in some cases it may actually be detrimental, right? So when when you look at this, like the morale that people, especially like if you are an underdog, you know, fighting against a massive war machine and seeing the enemy laid low in the places where it is most proud, Putin's yacht, the .ru top level domain name was taken offline for hours, that's a, that's a serious piece of business. A di- di- distributed denial of service like that is, that's a lot of work. Yeah. The challenge is though that you may actually be interfering with clandestine in, uh, intelligence operations. Yes. Right. When there are. Or for Russian citizens getting real information. Yes. Yeah. And so you know, it, basically, if they're relying on these internet uh, information pipelines to be able to get accurate information, that's going to be tough. And for things like intelligence operations, when there are backdoors and servers, when there are exploits that a hacker finds and thinks, "Oh boy, I found something that nobody else has found," yeah. But a foreign intelligence agency is using that to gather data and then feed that to. Yes. So you can see here how these
1: hackers wouldn't know that, right? That's right.
2: Yes. And so you know, it might feel good, it might, it might, it might be good, but in some cases, you might actually be people putting people's lives in danger. I suppose this is us basically advocating to our audience: please don't go and hack anyone, really, even. Foreign powers that you disagree with their Yeah, un- unless you're part actions. of an intelligence agency, maybe leave that to them.
1: Yeah, you know, it, it is interesting. You know, we've seen the information uh, flow over in Russia. They, they're trying to shut down things. They've passed laws against fake media. Basically, fake media and fake news is anything that disagrees with yes. their viewpoint, yeah. right? Uh, they've shut down Facebook and Instagram. Do you- <laughs> I know this is, I, I don't even know how to say this, but do you see all those poor Instagram Yes. Raiders in Russia that they're crying that they've been shut down and their it's, livelihood has been cut off.
2: It's it's got to be tough. Like you you have you basically built a life for yourself and yeah. then some idiot in charge of your country. And I'll say that again, idiot in charge of your country decides to invade another country and you can't eat because yeah. your your whole business has been shut. Yeah. Now that that pales in comparison to people actually being driven out of their homes and having you know artillery attacks rain down on them. But you know it's all on a horrible scale of like this. None of this needed to happen. No. Uh
1: and even one of uh Russia's big I guess search providers uh they're being shut down or they're actually trying to sell their their company now as well because they can't continue being censored. Yes, essentially. Yeah.
2: I mean, what good is a search that doesn't find anything?
1: Yeah, but it's interesting. I mean, you look at China, right? Like they they've got the big China firewall, you know what I mean? Like yes. you can't get Facebook and Twitter and things like that and Google yeah. in China. Yeah. I could when I was in Hong Kong. Yes. I don't think anymore yeah. now that they've cracked down there. But, you know, if your government's afraid of what other countries and other people are saying, that should be a maybe, like question mark for you. Maybe a right? tip off? <laughs> y- yeah. Like, what, what are you afraid of? Yeah. Right? Well, and then... We're, you know, we're like, so- if, you're, if your ideology and your political system isn't strong enough to handle criticism... Maybe you are the baddies.
2: <laughs> there was a, the Mitchell and Webb sketch. Oh yeah, are, are we the remember? baddies? Yeah, <laughs> skulls it's, on it, our. Was hats. that
1: Dave uh, Mitchell and Brian? I forget the the two comedians. There. Mitchell and Webb. It yeah. was a sketch. They're uh, playing Nazi SS soldiers, and one of them looks to the other one, and they're like, "Are we the baddies? <laughs> you know, we've got skulls on our uniform, actual right? skulls. Yeah, yeah.
2: So yes, and I mean, if, you know, if you're getting these airwaves over in Russia as part of the invasion, currently you are. The baddies. So please stop. I mean, right now, uh, Ukraine is actually offering $1 million to any Russian fighter pilot who defects and brings the plane with him. Oh. Yeah. It's a million bucks to the pilot, so it's $10 for the he, plane. It's, do you think he'd make it? I think they would. I mean, uh, like, that,
1: that pilot would be looking over his shoulder for the rest of his life.
2: Well, possibly, yeah. But I mean, yes. Yeah, possibly, yeah. This is the Hunt for Red October all over again. Yeah. Right? So life imitates art once more.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to you know. I mean, we're going to follow these hacks, and then I, I think there was another hack—a uh, a Belarus uh, weapons manufacturer. Anonymous hackers got in there and released like f- hundreds of gigabytes of their emails.
2: I think there's no downside to that one,
1: to be honest. No.
2: Yeah, if, if you're if you're making guns for people who are invading other people and you get hacked, I have yeah, zero but you could say sympathy. That,
1: you could say that about the Americans. I would.
2: Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
1: I think you better look over your shoulder. Well, you know. <laughs> yeah, no Disneyland for you. Oh, shame. Oh, his seatbelt came off in Space Mountain. Weird. <laughs> it was my last trip to the
2: Galactic Empire. Exactly. Yeah.
1: OK, we have a lot more to talk about on the app show today, including some new features uh, rolled out for Apple users. And this is cool. You can control all your devices from one set of uh, input devices, a keyboard and a mouse. Yeah. So if you've got like an iPad, a MacBook, an iMac, you can control all of them at the same time. Why would you want to? Well, we'll tell you exactly why. And Netflix, they want to charge you more money. Shock. We'll tell you what that is and how you can hopefully avoid that. You're listening to the App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with the program. Mike Agarbo here. We're going to talk a little bit about Apple now. And we've got one of our Apple uh, experts in studio with us, Robin Kavanaugh. He's our producer and one of our Get Connected contributors and reviewers. Today... We're going to talk about Apple universal control. Sounds ominous, but it's actually kind of cool if you are kind of in the Apple universe. Thanks for joining us again, Robin. Thank you for having me. So you've got an iPhone, you've got a MacBook laptop, you've got an iPad. Yeah. yeah. You you,
0: you jumped in all all in. I mean, you used to be an Android guy. Oh, for 10 years. I was a staunch PC and Android guy. Yeah. Anti-Apple. And then one day it was I bought the iPad first because yeah. I wanted to just try out some of the kind of neat apps that were available on iOS. But why
1: didn't you get an Android
0: tablet? <laughs> okay, well, I mean, there were really, there aren't really many. There's like, there's a lot. There's like, wow, dozens of different variations. Yeah. But I guess but, nothing stood out to you. No. As no. like a professional tablet. Exactly. Because I was so steeped into like, I really loved um, like the stock Android experience. <laughs> I loved having pixels. Um, I love OnePlus, things like that. Yeah. And so there weren't any Android tablets that like worked really well in the same space. So that was like because it didn't really work so well. I figured, well, I might as well just get an iPad. Got it. And I know that works well.
1: Okay, so I want to talk about some features now that I think many users might not even know about. Mm-hmm. Like staunch Apple users will probably be up on this. Sure. But uh, a new feature that's rolled out is uh, Universal Control. And so this really works well if you've got an existing uh, desktop mm-hmm. or yeah. a laptop and an iPad. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so yeah.
0: explain what universal control is. Yeah, so universal control was, um, it was announced last year, um, and it was one of the most interesting and exciting things Apple announced during their, um, their event last October. And basically what it is, is that you can use just one keyboard and mouse To control any amount of devices that are connected. So for example, you can use your uh, laptop keyboard mouse to control your iPad. You can then move it over and control your iMac. And not only that, but you can drag and drop things in between. So if you had a
1: document, like a a Word document on your MacBook Mm -hmm. and you had your iPad set up beside you. Yep. You could basically use the mouse on the MacBook
0: and drag it over to the iPad and boom. boom. You can drag things like images from your iPad straight into a like, keynote. Cut and paste mm-hmm. things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it's seriously... <laughs> I was amazed at actually just how well it worked. It only came But out- do you use it? Like sometimes these things are gimmicky. Yeah, yeah. We see it's... It kind of negates the uh, why you'd use AirDrop now. Like... Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. like instead of having like airdropping files between, like, your uh, iPad and your computer, you can just drag them over now. It's it's so seamless. It's ridiculous. And you actually use it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's it's only came out just this week. Okay. I updated all my devices on Monday. That's when it dropped. So it's Does it work with iPhones? No. no. It's only Mac and uh, MacBooks or iMacs. And iPads. Yes, and iPads. Yeah, yeah so you will need... Um, The latest iPad OS, which is 15.4. And you will need the latest Mac OS update, which is 12.3. Okay. So as long as your computer and iPad can update to those, you'll be fine. And so for normal people, Mm -hmm. how easy or difficult is it to turn it on? It's pretty much just a couple of settings that you just turn on. Where? In the settings? In the system preferences, yeah. Okay. You go in. So you can just do a search. Yeah. And just universal control. Yeah. If you look up your um, display preferences, it's all in there.
1: So there's another feature that I've seen you use quite a bit now called Sidecar. Yes. And it's kind of similar, but it turns your iPad into a second monitor. So you can kind of stretch your, your laptop, your MacBook, mm. or your
0: your iMac onto that iPad. Yeah. 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 So this has been around for just a couple of years now. And like you said, it, it just turns your iPad into another monitor. Yeah. So a lot of like the way I use it is I'll have maybe like Chrome open on my MacBook. Yeah. And then I'll have like my files page or like an email open on the iPad. Got it. And so I can just kind of float between both. And that works wirelessly as well. Yeah. Similarly with universal control, they both work wirelessly or yeah. wired. And do you notice a difference between wired and wireless? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So like no matter what. Wired's better. Wired is always better. But it's not a big deal. It's just a cable like. It's just one cable. Yeah. One cable. Okay. And that will power the iPad as well.
1: Okay. So they seem similar. Do you find that you're using them for different reasons?
0: Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. So this is something like, I haven't explored Universal Control to its like, max, to its most that you can yeah, get out of it. Yeah, because it just kind of came out. It just came out. Yeah, But there's some like really cool things that I even tried doing. Um, one of the neatest things, I think, is basically if you're working in different suites or like app suites between your iPad and your iMac. So the example I'll use is if you're, say, like drawing things in Procreate, which is a program for, for iPad. Yeah. yeah, it's like a digital art program. Yeah. Um, and so if you use that, you can literally drag, like, click and drag your artwork from the Procreate app and drag it all across over onto your iMac or yeah. your MacBook and then drop it in either uh, Keynote, you can drop it into Photoshop, you can drop it as if it's just an image. Yeah. It's seamless. So it saves you time. Saves you time. Yeah. Yeah, um, And then where that differs from like Sidecar is I'd use Sidecar more so if I'm doing something that's like very Mac-centric and I just- Very want specific to the Mac. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So th- that's kind of where they're different. I was kind of worried that Universal Control would kind of overtake Sidecar. Yeah. Thankfully, both options are just totally separate. Okay. Yeah. What do you use more? I think still Sidecar. Yeah. Because yeah. you just want that extra real estate. That's pretty much it. Yeah. I mean, I have the 14-inch MacBook Pro. Yeah. so I just want that extra little, little, little bit, little bit of juice there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: No, I could see that being super handy, like having your email program, like Outlook or whatever, just like on the iPad yeah. or on on the main
0: MacBook, and then having a web browser open on the other one. Yeah, exactly. Like if you have like um, Zoom calls and things all day, you yeah. can have that set up just on the iPad. Oh yeah, and then still be able to work seamlessly between them. Yeah. Um, if you don't have, say, the Magic Keyboard or, like, any sort of Bluetooth keyboard and mouse for your iPad... Yeah. Th- this will negate you ever having to get them because... You just use your MacBooks. You just use your MacBook, yeah. Or your iMacs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's really quite neat. There are a lot of different use cases. I just haven't explored them all yet. Yeah. Yeah, but it, this is this is, like, peak very cool tech that Apple have brought out here.
1: Okay, so if you are in the Apple universe, you've got, like, an iPad and... One of their iMacs or their MacBooks. What what versions again of the operating system do you have to
0: have? Yeah, it's a fifteen point four for iPadOS. Yeah, and twelve point three for macOS. And, and and you could figure it out pretty quickly. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. And normal people can figure this out. Normal people. Yeah.
0: Go true. <laughs> just go into your system preferences. Everything is labeled. right? I'm there.
1: becoming more and more normal or maybe it's my lack of patience now <laughs> in figuring stuff out. Like in the old days, I'd spend hours trying to hack into things and figure out, you know, how to, how to use it. Yeah.
0: Now it just needs to work. Cause I just, if it doesn't work within like five minutes, pfft. oh, forget it. Yeah. Forget it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I feel. Yeah. I mean, like honestly, this for brand new tech that just came out. Yeah. It works so well. And still technically in beta. How do others compete against that, do you
1: think? You know, like in the Windows world, that's hard because <sighs> there's so many different manufacturers and they don't control
0: their entire ecosystem, if right? They don't, you know, and I've explored that as well before trying to get this to these kind of things to work with PC. Um, no. And it's just... It's I wonder really with Windows 11 now and being able
1: to ha- load Android apps into Windows 11, that's a feature coming. Yeah, it's coming soon, yeah. Yeah, if
0: with you know yeah will we see something like that hopefully I mean I'd love to see um, that used with the latest Galaxy Samsung tab yeah uh, they're the closest to actually having like an Apple type ecosystem exactly so maybe if they brought something out with their Galaxy book yeah and that so you could have two massive displays oh yeah that would be super cool yeah because they're new they're a new tablet 14 inches 14 inches yeah (laughs) that's like a a TV (laughs) (laughs) like a little TV
2: (laughs) yeah yeah
1: We've been talking all about Apple's new universal control feature that's available on iPads and MacBooks and uh, also their iMacs, allowing you to basically use one mouse and keyboard to control all of them at the same time seamlessly. Mm-hmm. Sounds like magic. yeah, But it works. But it works. We're going to have to take a break. When we come back, more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You were back with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here with Gray Williams. Netflix. It's the 800-pound gorilla. When it comes to streaming, mm-hmm. they were kind of the first big one out there. They continue to be the dominant ones, but there is a lot of competition now. Look at Disney plus, I think they've got over 130 million subscribers, like within a matter of a few years, a couple of years, like that's pretty amazing, Yeah, but they've gone all in. Like the amount of money, can you imagine how much they're spending like on all the Star Wars series and the Marvel series? Like these series are like feature films. They are. They're like 10 hour feature films. Yeah costing them billions of dollars. Amazon's in that game. And they all kind of share something similar. They've got their streaming plans. So Netflix, what is it around 18 bucks a month? About that. Yeah. Yeah. And that gets you five simultaneous streams. Yes. You can pay less if you just want less streams and streams, meaning, well, this is also 4k 4k. Yes. And streams, meaning how many people can be watching Netflix at the same time. And so in my household, and I'm going to out myself, right? Yep. Uh, we we have five people, my mm-hmm. wife, myself, and my three kids. They're kind of grown up now. Yeah. And there's really only one at home still. Okay. Uh, but two of them live on their own, but we still share the same Netflix account. And per, I guess, the user agreement, it's only supposed to be for people in my household to be on the same Netflix account. Sure. Right? Yeah. So theoretically, they should have their own Netflix account. But, you know, we like to save money. Yeah. So- there are millions of people doing this. And so Netflix, obviously wanting to increase their revenue, uh, they want to find ways to charge people for that. And I guess that would be pretty easy, wouldn't it, Gray? Yeah. Would it, like they're, they're, I guess, checking your IP address for your house.
2: Okay. So my IP address for my house is great. Yeah, but what if I'm traveling? And what about work? What if I'm working at work, yeah. yeah. How would they know who's who? Like I watched Netflix literally when I'm on the Skytrain. Yeah. I watch Netflix when I am here at work, when I'm supposed to be actually doing things. Oh, geez, I just said to myself, didn't I? Yes. You know, and so, now here's the thing, you know, my partner, her mother, comes over every once in a while, yeah. and she watches she watches the dog at our place when we're away. Yeah. But she also will watch it at her place, where we watch it with her when we go over to visit her. Yeah. So, question, Netflix. How much time do I have to spend in my own home for it to be considered my own home? So,
1: yeah, it's very nebulous, right? Yes. I get where they're coming from, though, right? Because yeah. I know a lot of people that have basically, you know, between four people
2: sharing a Netflix account. Yep. Yeah. And they're not even family. Which, you know, here's the thing. Is it really costing you that much money? Like, would, would these people not have Netflix if they didn't have the account? Would they actually so, see the value? Okay, so,
1: Gray... Take a stab in the dark, like if you had to estimate how many people, let's say they had 200 million users. Yeah. What percentage do you think are kind of sharing when they're not supposed to?
2: You know, I think like in low scale sharing, maybe like sharing with one other person. Yeah. Probably at least half. Really? Yeah. That, that much? Yeah.
1: That and they're not family members.
2: What's a family nowadays? <laughs> <laughs> people you choose to be around. Yeah. But let's even say
1: out of that two hundred million subscribers worldwide, twenty five percent are sharing. Yeah, and they're not supposed to be. So that's fifty million people. Yep. Right. Times, I'm going to use Canadian pricing, eighteen bucks a month. That's like nine hundred million dollars.
2: That that is if that's almost a billion dollars. That's if each one of those people was to go out and get their own high definition or four K definition, twenty dollar a month for stream Netflix, which they
1: wouldn't. No, but some would. So. Anyway, could you agree that it's probably half a billion dollars in revenue?
2: I would say so, yeah. A month? Yeah. That's a lot of money on the table that they're losing. So here's the thing. Why don't you make it easy for me? Because uh, Gabe Newell of Valve Software said that piracy, which is what this is, this is is digital piracy, streaming piracy. What this is, is a customer service issue, right? These people are not gonna all pay twenty bucks a month for their own individual accounts. No. And I don't want them to pay that twenty dollars a month either, because I'm paying I'm paying the twenty bucks a month for the stuff that I want to consume. And either way that's happening, I'm paying that. Yep. But let's say for, you know, Ray's mom, we want an extra account. Charge me an extra three bucks.
1: Okay, so here's where it gets interesting, Greg. right? So they're testing this down in South America, in Chile, Costa Rica, and Peru.
2: Because I guess they don't care about pissing off people down there. <laughs> do you know what I mean? You know, I've I've known a lot of folks from South America and I, I would I would actually be scared to do that.
1: <laughs> so subscribers down there will get prompts to add an extra viewer to their package
2: at a discounted price of $3 US a month. Reasonable? I think so. Yeah. No, here's the thing. I'm not going over my, my number of streams count. So that one to me is like, you're asking me to add an extra viewer? I'm not adding an extra viewer. Yeah, There's but, only so, five but, of us okay, total. Okay, so
1: if you've got... Your partner's mom on there on yeah. your account. You're yeah. cheating.
2: Yeah, cheating according to their rules. Well, I'm sorry. There was a there was a terms <laughs> and conditions that was in too small of a font well, is, on my television for me to read. It is their sandbox. <laughs> it is their sandbox for sure. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's their sandbox since my internet, right? So yeah. here's the here's the thing. Netflix, we we can make a deal here, right? I'll give you a little bit of extra money. You, I don't think you're in the power position, but I am because I have a VPN and yeah. I know how to use it. And we also have a broadcast okay, mechanism okay. here where we can tell everybody in Canada how to use it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but okay, normal people aren't going to do that.
2: You'd be surprised. You know, some of the least tech-savvy people I know will work really hard to steal movies and TV. (laughs) Okay,
1: but I would say the majority of people don't want to because they don't want the hassle.
2: So here's the thing. Why are we having conflict at this point? At this point, it's just like, okay, look, Netflix, I get it. You want a little more money. You've racked my rates up from like $11 a month, like six years ago, to like 20 bucks a month. That's not an insignificant sum, and I paid you that. Now... I'm taking care of my friends and family. You want a little bit more money out of me? Great, let's settle on price because that's what all we're talking well, about. So, here. what what is the price? That, that's exactly what I'm saying. Three. So four- three bucks. That's U.S. In Canada, it'd be five bucks. So five dollars a month, sixty dollars a year, and they can shut up about this. Take my money. <laughs> <laughs> Easy, right? <laughs> okay. So this is a snowball.
1: Okay, Gray. Yeah. You know when Netflix figures it out, you know that. Disney, Amazon, all the rest of them will do the exact same thing. So it's not 60 bucks a month anymore. Yeah. Extra. Well, 60 bucks a year. Mother-in-law. Yes. Sorry, a year. Yeah. It's hundreds of dollars because I know you, you are, you've got a lot of subscriptions. So do I.
2: Yeah. But I don't share all of them with Well, I share mine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, like Shutter is not appropriate for Ray's mom. No. She's not going to be into it.
1: No. Anyway, it, it, a lot of money will suddenly flow into the pockets of these big streamers in the next two years. It's going to happen, right? Yeah. If you are sharing accounts on Netflix or any of these streaming services, even Spotify, like once they see Netflix, get away with it, it's all going to happen.
2: And really what, what it comes down to is just the viewership that's happening outside of the home or the listenership that's happening outside of the home. If you've established that it belongs to somebody who's not me and I can prove that it is me. Yeah. Now we've got a problem. So tread very carefully streaming services because a lot of us do actually have more than one residence or go in more than one place and enjoy these things. I know I just wonder how they're going to figure that out. Yep. And again, between this and things like VPNs, it's an uphill battle for them. So maybe we just call it even on a couple of bucks and we're all happy.
1: We're going to have to take a break when we come back more Tech to Talk stay tuned. You're back with the app show Mike and uh, Gray here. Don't forget to listen to our sister program Get Connected. It's also a national radio program. It's also a podcast. Like the app show on our website, getconnectedmedia.com. You can also find it on your favorite podcasting sites, Apple, Google, Spotify, you name it, it's there. We urge you to subscribe. We've also got some great uh, reviews, blogs, and videos, again, at our website, getconnectedmedia.com. I want to thank all the folks that helped put the show together, Robin, John, Nigel, Stephen, and, of course, Gray. Thanks again for coming in. My pleasure. We'll see you again next time.